Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. It is May 26th, 2021, and today we have a very special episode. We will be looking into the sayings of Confucius. We'll be deciding which ones are good and which ones are bad. And uh, we'll be solving all the world's problems today in the next 30 or 40 minutes, so stay tuned and you'll get a crash course in the teachings of Confucius. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing I'm doing quite fine. This yeah, this is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how the wisdom of 500 BC applies to the 21st century. Yes. And Some things don't change, David. <clears throat> People don't change. How are you this morning, David? I'm doing okay. I was talking about this yesterday with this on the Confucius note that uh you know, when you're the guy 2,500 years ago, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit philosophically. Like, don't <laughs> like, don't be a dick to people. It's like, oh, wow, he's the first person ever to say that. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> or the first person to write it down. Yeah. Um, so a little backstory on Confucius. Uh, let's say here, he was 2,500 years ago. He did his philosophy. He had a little school and... He traveled the countryside trying to get rulers to adopt his his philosophies, and no one did, and he was really all sad about that. But then 500 years after his death, around, you know, the time of the birth of Christ, uh, BCAD time, the Han dynasty, I think, or the one of the dynasties, they're like, oh, look, this guy, this scholar from 500 years ago, he had some good ideas, and they started enacting him. He has two main, I think thrusts of what he says in his philosophy. Well, his famous thing is Confucius says, and then there's like epigrams, and they're like little nuggets of wisdom. But his actual overarching philosophy had two main points. The first was the concept of Li, which is rituals. So you perform these rituals and these elaborate etiquettes, and that sort of puts structure to society and sort of educates you in, in moral good. Uh, so... And then the other one, which I think is perhaps more impactful, or at least still around more, is filial piety. So when you look at Confucianism as the religion in China, um, you could argue that there's many as many Confucianists as there are Christians or um, Muslims. Because, you know, most of China is Confucianist, and that means billions of people. Mm-hmm. Well, filial piety is there's no deity. Your piety is in honoring your family. And that's not just your mother and father. That's your grandfathers, your great-grandparents. So what you do, if you bring honor upon yourself, you're bringing honor upon your entire chain of ancestors. And if you bring shame upon yourself, you're bringing shame upon yourself and your entire chain of ancestors. So that is the dominating force, not God will judge you. It's you know, your great-grandfather is up there or somewhere looking down saying, don't do anything to make me look stupid. Um, <laughs> so I think it's fascinating that there's these two concepts that I think, that I think I don't, I'm no Confucianist expert. They're the main concepts of Confucianist thought. And you see the filial piety, the, the you know, honor your ancestors thing in Chinese New Year. So... Even though Chinese people are, they work in the cities, they all go back to the country to visit their their relatives on Chinese New Year. And that's a very Confucianist thing. 
Now, as far as the Lee, the elaborate court etiquette of 2,500 years ago, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, we just don't talk about that. You know, it used to be you'd have to sacrifice, uh, whatever, a goat, a pig, and a sheep to your ancestors once a week, you know, and you leave them, you leave the carcasses at the temple. Well, they don't do that anymore. I mean, it's just a little too inconvenient to do that. It doesn't jibe with modern culture. Well, maybe those practices uh, served to uh, underscore the fil- filial piety. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, then, you... then once that caught, once that caught on, you didn't need the sacrifices anymore. Well, if you look at though, like ritual crafts, it's easier to understand it in like maybe a Judeo-Christian context. All through the Bible, they're sacrificing animals. And it's like our like the in Western the Western canon, the most holy people were killing a lamb. They were killing a pig, they were or killing a whatever, goat, and sacrificing it to God. And we don't do that anymore in the West. So it's I mean, it's no big surprise that that's changed. Uh, but we still have our rituals too. And I think mm-hmm. that I guess what he's saying, what Confucius is saying is the rituals are what sort of give order like you don't actually have to believe that when a priest does his little move all of a sudden you're drinking the actual blood of christ you know it could just be a reminder that uh in this story christ sacrificed his his life for everyone's sins you don't actually have to believe that the ritual itself turns the wine into blood like in transubstantiation it's the, 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 the performance of the ritual sort of reminds you of the story, and that's the important thing. Some would argue. Because everyone, everyone will take it. Everyone will believe. When you say, when you say believe in it, again, everyone's different, uh, but everyone will believe their way. And, um, and so belief is, is not a one-dimensional type of um, reality. Mm-hmm. And some people would say, no, it is. It is the blood of Christ, and the little wafer that the priest gives you is the body of Christ. And if you don't believe it, you're a sinner. But I guess Confucius would say it's the ritual that's important. Right. That's that's where the value is derived. It reminds you of it reminds you of the virtues that you're trying to to sort of remember as you go forth in life. Um. So shall we get into some of the famous sayings? Oh, so. All of that is a roundabout way of saying, you know, he, I'd say in Chinese culture, or at least in Confucianism, the family unit is sort of like God. Or, you know, your piety is not to to God, your piety is to your family. You do good in life to honor your family. You, you obey the rules, you don't bring shame, you try to bring honor because of your family, not because you're trying to do it for God. Like righteousness is doing right by your family, right? And we probably still have Confucianism today because the most basic fundamental unit of society is the family. Mm -hmm. And if you can strengthen that, you're strengthening the part of society that will last. And maybe that's why we still have Confucianism today. Mm -hmm. And, And before we get into our quote review, our philosopher review. I'll say that Confucius is a good one to do on a podcast because he doesn't have these long-winded, 
you know, if you read The Republic by Plato, your eyes would just glaze over. But this is, he, his most famous text is called The Analects, and he does speak in sort of sayings, like epigrams or whatever. So they're very easy to digest and sort of understand the meaning of right away. They're accessible. One-liners. One-liners. So shall we get into some one-liners <laughs> and discuss let's them? Some, let's do some one-liners, David. Okay. Confucius says, Our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. How do you feel about that? I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Because you just... Uh, don't stop. Never stop. I mm -hmm. mean, well, well, who never gets knocked down? <laughs> yeah. Who never gets knocked down? Uh, so, and so when you get, when you do get knocked down, then what do you do? You know, uh, when you're down, you don't, you, you, you get back up. Uh, you don't, you don't blame everyone else for reasons you fell. There's no, I fell. Now I want to get back up and keep going. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we'll do also is uh, try to relate it to modern things. You know, there I, there was one that we went over yesterday. And it's like that's what you say all the time, but you say it differently. <laughs> and yeah. I think that a lot of Confucius' sayings there's there's analogs. I think of for this one, our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. I think of Roger Allen Wade's song. If you're going to be dumb, you've got to be tough. When you get knocked down, you better get back up. <laughs> I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I know enough to know that if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. Right? <laughs> That's right. Because you're going to get knocked down. Uh-huh. Um, which, which, you know, when you think about it, when I think about it, it's just we teach our children, uh, you know, like, oh, you're okay, you're okay. It's just, well, maybe you did make a mistake, so don't don't sit don't just sit there and say, oh no, I made a mistake. Get back up and try to try to move forward. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's why I think sports is, is such so valuable, where uh, you teach children how to compete, teach them how to win, and teach them how to lose, and teach them how to work together, uh, and that that's so valuable. Yeah, it's definitely. So valuable. I've, and there are I've heard some people will say and some people might might uh, get angry at this uh, listening to this they'll say oh I don't want my child to play sports because they might lose and it will lower those, their self-esteem as far as I'm concerned that does the opposite mm -hmm. it doesn't lower their self-esteem and by not allowing them to lose, it gives them a very false sense of reality. Yeah, they never experience the glory. It's like in uh, the the three hundred when the deformed guy betrays the Spartans and they banish him, and uh, the guy Leonidas, King Leonidas, tells the guy, "May you live forever," because. Living forever is less glorious than dying a glorious warrior's death. You know? Hmm. Um, wow. Moving on. This is very similar to the last one. It does not matter how... Confucius says... 
I should have a little <laughs> effect on my voice. It does not matter how slowly you go, as long as you do not stop. Very similar to the last one, right? Uh, yeah, it's a little different. Slow and steady wins the wins race. the race. Like Aesop's fable. So, I think that when it's low hanging fruit, you can come buy it. You know, Aesop was five hundred years later, but I'm sure that Aesop had. Oh no, Aesop might have been around that time, right? Let's let's look it up. Where was Aesop? Aesop was in Greece. Yeah, but also like. like People say a lot of his fables were attributed to Aesop. He did have a lot, but a lot of people say a lot of them were attributed to him. He may or may not have written. Between 620, wrote him, 620 and 564 BCE. So, around the same time as Confucius. He, what was that? 620 and what? 564. Well, he was, he was before Confucius. Yeah, I mean... He was he was around the time of around he the came time before yeah he came before interesting so slow and steady wins the race is Aesop it does not matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop so I think also if you look at the difference in the Confucius quote it's not about winning it's about persevering slow yeah. and steady wins the race applies that if you don't stop something good will happen to you um, Confucius's quote implies that true defeat is in quitting. It's true. So that yeah. there is a difference to that. Yeah. And it's not so much in the destination as it's a journey. You never stop. Mm -hmm. You never stop. So that, it, that, that's how I, I say that too. I say, whatever you do, do good and never stop. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you get you get knocked down, you get pushed back, but hey, just keep going. Next one. Next. The will to, Confucius says, the will <laughs> to win, the desire to succeed, the urge to reach your full potential. These are the keys that will unlock the door to personal excellence. Okay. Well, well that's, that's uh, a that's, little obvious. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's okay. The will to win. Oops. Yeah, I mean that one's yeah, you gotta sort of Yeah you gotta well, wanna do well and be your best self to become more excellent. Yeah, that's it's obvious. Well, you know, what is it well when I when I look at that and I try to Try to compare the three conditions with the conclusion or the outcome. And I think, okay, well, what does he mean by personal excellence? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, Maybe I analyze it too much. Like, well, personal excellence, you're only excellent if, you're, if you win. You know, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think the will to win and the desire, it's not in winning and succeeding. It's the will and desire an urge mm -hmm. uh, that creates uh, personal excellence. In other words, the, the kind of excellence that each person needs. And it's not, it's not one thing. It, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the saying, what is to me, what this does not say is uh, second place is the first loser. Mm -hmm. 
That's not what this is saying. Because in other words, it's not about success, winning and losing. It's about the will to win. And right. It's about the will and the desire and the urge uh, to reach as good as you can be. Like, and whether you win or whether you lose, you you, you will never lose that will, that desire, and that urge to just keep getting better. Those are the keys that will unlock your personal excellence. And, it, and excellence really is very relative to the person. I think that was a big thing. Um, in Confucianism, there's this idea of, and this is like what's radical. Um, I, I don't know what the Chinese word is. I, I don't speak Chinese. Jinya or something. I, I butchered that. I'm sorry to all the Chinese people if you're listening. It's not that. Uh, but there's a Chinese word. And it meant before Confucius' this time, like nobility, like you were born into a noble family. But after his time, it meant extraordinary person, exceptional person, you know, personal excellence. And one of the models of Confucianism was to get jobs in civil service. Uh, this is 2,000 years ago. They weren't just handed to the nephews of a lord. There was a rigorous examination. And there was meritocracy in civil service in ancient China. That model spread to you know Japan, Vietnam, other places, Korea, um, where an exceptional man is not exceptional by birth. They're exceptional by deed. They have to prove their worth. I just made a rhyme. Um, and that was a radical departure from what was going on in Europe you know, 2,000 years ago. Uh, and I, I think that's what a lot of people respect Confucius for saying, you know, the exceptional nature of a person comes from their deeds, not from their lineage. Which is fascinating because it's also all about your lineage. <laughs> you know, like, your God, for lack of a better term in Confucianism, is your ancestors. But your ancestors don't matter in how well or how far you can go today. That's up to you. It's kind of fascinating dichotomy. But the, but the better you do, the more, more glory or recognition you, that you give to your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a little bit of a dichotomy, but, but it, it's, it's, well, it's it's a way of life. It's a mm-hmm. way of living. It's a, it's a way of for people, for humans, to be settled into. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing, and let me progress. And it will just keep. It, it's sustainable and it's continual. Yeah. Well, it's it's also like you're not a great person because your ancestors were great. You have to go out in the world and do good things, or else you'll bring shame upon your ancestors. So it's not like you're not born with the right to be great. You have to prove your greatness in the world by yourself. That's kind of cool. Well, so, you know, really part of that is responsibility. You have to do something. Mm -hmm. And the other part is the recognition is not just to you. The recognition goes to someone outside yourself. And I think humans have to feel important, but they also have to feel part of something something bigger than themselves. And if they are part of something bigger, but they contribute to that, that gives value and meaning to life 
And so maybe the Confucianism, the, the, the dichotomy there is necessary mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, for, for value and also connection. And so I'm sure we can come up with some philosophical or psychological or whatever they called words about that stuff. But, but humans, humans need those two things. They need yeah. to feel important, but also they need to feel small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need to feel connected to something bigger than themselves. Yes. If you if you want value in life, and all you do is worship yourself, th- that that's really a sad life of disaster. Uh, but if you can have a life where you uh, gain joy in and contributing to something outside yourself, then you'll have a lifetime of of uh, of endeavor and lifetime of success because you'll never stop, mm-hmm. as Confucius says. <laughs> I think this one, you know, we said he's going to say some stuff from 25 years, from 75 generations ago. Uh, that ring true today? This one's true. I, I like this one. This one's good. Confucius says... He who learns but does not think is lost. He who thinks but does not learn is in great danger. <laughs> okay. I really I really like that. That one's good. I think that not only is he who thinks but does not learn in great danger, they're putting other people in danger. You know? That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, he who thinks but does not learn is in, is in great danger. You put other people in danger. You go off half cocked. Mm-hmm. You know, as we would say back home, you go off half cocked. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Do your homework before you start part, start start throwing ideas around and and doing things. Yeah, I mean, become I can informed, think of become informed. The QAnon Congresswoman saying that. Uh, making people wear a mask is exactly like when they made the Jews wear the Star of David. And it's like, oh my God, did you really just say that? Like, oh my goodness. And yeah. it's like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry, lady, but you're wrong. But I think she was thinking without really having the baseline of knowledge. Mm-hmm. She was thinking well, without th- learning. Yeah, today a lot of people make mistakes about that. They mm-hmm. think they know what the story was, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. They, they need to. Uh, they need to be a student of history, but also, history is not facts. History is about people, and and how people lived and what they did and what happened in 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 the world. But the first part of it, he who learns, but does not think. Which to me, that is a very simple way to say that you can learn things without really thinking. Mm-hmm. And the way I like to say that, because I, I, I see people all the time, they're educated, but but they do, they say some really dumb things, even though they're educated. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, oh my goodness, you know, wait a minute, think about this, think about it. And they can't think beyond whatever they memorized in the book. Yeah. So maybe they're educated and they've learned things but they don't think. 
and basically I would say they're educated beyond their intelligence mm -hmm. because they can't they can't think about what they just learned. All they can do is recite. Reciting memorized words in a book is not the same thing as intelligence to me. Yeah. It's like Bob Dylan said, most writers aren't even writers. Most writers are just stenographers. <laughs> Who said that? Bob Dylan. <laughs> you know, a lot of this one about thinking, learning, thinking, and, you know, a lot of it is art. A lot of it is people in music, people in art, people in, in literature. A lot of that has to do with, with, uh, with art. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, I'm, I'm all engineering and science and math, but I got a great respect for the arts. And I think, I think we need to, that taught more in our schools. Okay, this next one's famous, but I'm not sure, you'll have to explain it to me. I'm not sure I like this one, okay? Confucius says, <laughs> I hear and I forget, I see and I remember, I do and I understand. Yeah, I've I've heard that in different ways uh, of doing it, and 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 uh, when you hear something, uh, well, it is it is a, a a tiered. I've heard this before, and I've even used it. It's like a tiered level of 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 knowledge and understanding. Uh, when you hear something, well, just hearing words, then. There's a lot of interpretations that could go around that that hearing, because language is not that precise. English, any language, is not that precise. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you see something, then you can describe it, but also you see it, like uh, the people say, seeing is believing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, that gives a lot more information in detail. But then if you do something. There's where the reality of actually uh, experiencing it. And so it's kind of like experience, you know. You can be told, uh, you can actually observe it, or you can experience it. Well, if you experience it, you know it a lot, lot better than someone telling you about it. Mm -hmm. Has anyone ever told you a story like, oh, let me tell you what happened when I was young? And you say, I did this and this and this and this. They go, okay, well, that's just a story. But what if you actually did it? Yeah. Well, you, you understand exactly what he's talking about. Well, it's like, I'll, uh, oh, go ahead. When people tell me stories about, oh, yeah, I've done the same thing. Uh, remember in the military, uh, we went through basic training. Uh, and in the basic training, we had to do this and this. And remember, we did that march. And, oh, yeah, I did that. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Because I did it. Mm -hmm. But you tell someone who's never done it, it's just a story. Okay. And... If you see it, they go, whoa, look what they're doing. But if you did it, you've experienced it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'll watch um, YouTube videos, tutorials on stuff that I know how to do. And it'll be confusing to me. And it's like, wait, I know how to do this. So what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing doesn't really match up with what I actually understand how to do. Um, well, I can, 
I, t I teach business and uh, people will come in and start talking about about business from a textbook. And I say, yes, that's what it says. But the way you described it is not what it means unless you've actually been in business. So and what that is saying is meaning something very different than, than what you're trying to interpret. So when you hear something, you can interpret a million different ways. When you see something, it, it's a little bit more clearer. When you do it, that experience uh, is much more of an education. Mm -hmm. That's why that's why they have internships to let people understand what it's like when you actually do it. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, I know I know how to ride a bicycle. Why? Because I read a manual. Mm-hmm. No, you 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 can't ride a bicycle just by reading a manual. You have to get on that bike and fall down before you know how to do it. Does that make sense? It does. What, that that's how I see it. Sometimes I think hearing is better than seeing, but. I don't know. I just the tear, like hearing's worse than seeing. Seeing's better than hearing, but doing is better than the two of them. It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, sort yeah. of, unless hearing is actually better than seeing. That's true. Yeah. Um, we can we can find cases where that's true too. Yeah. I'm an auditory learner. I hear and I remember. I see and I remember too. I, I'm a visual learner also. It's like, I hear and I remember. I see and I remember. I do and I understand. That's that just doesn't have the same ring. Shall we go on <laughs> to the next one? Uh, yeah. Confucius says, Ooh. Life is really simple, but we insist on making it complicated. Huh. This one's got a little forest scene on brainyquote.com. Yeah, I got a picture there. I don't know. To me, that doesn't look like Colorado. <laughs> What do you think about this one? Uh, I, I think uh, I think there's uh, a limited. It's true, but I think there's limited uh, uh, cases when that is profound. I think there are other counterexamples where life can be fairly complicated. I think. He's right. I think life is sort of like a game of poker. Um, where in poker you have three things you can do. You can fold. You can bet or you can raise. And in life, what you can actually do about situations is awfully limited. Um, and a lot of the... The difficulty in life, a lot of the complications in life is saying, okay, I'm going to commit to this course of action and then doing it. So the complication comes in saying, well, what course of action should I commit to? And you sort of insist on making it complicated when really at the end of the day, you have a few options. You know, the devil's always in the details, but there's only so much that you can do. It's the worry that makes it complicated. A worry about un unknown outcomes, unintended consequences. And that's what eats you up at night, not exactly what you've chosen to do. When you choose to do something and you sort of resolutely go in that direction, you just do your best with no regrets. But the complication of life comes in trying to decide what that thing is. That's true. My, my What I think of is 
life. Uh, well, life, uh, in my life, I want a happy life. So what's going to make me happy? Uh, oh, well, uh, let me make a lot of money. I make a lot of money. This doesn't make me happy. So that wasn't true. So uh, I, I want to be happy. Uh, let me uh, let, let me let me get famous. Uh, oh, fame. That doesn't make me happy. Oh, this is kind of complicated. Yeah. How can I be happy? And so maybe what Confucius is saying is like you're making it complicated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Life is simple. Just sit back and just enjoy uh, the blessings that you have around you. But sometimes that's hard to do. And sometimes people make things more complicated than it should be. So so how can you be happy in your life? What is the answer? Mm -hmm. What is the simple answer of a happy life? That's a good question. Just chill out and be chill. <laughs> uh, well, that's a different answer for different people. That's why there's no one answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one's good for you. This is the project manager's. The project manager's quote. Confucius says, when it is obvious that the goals cannot be reached, don't adjust the goals. Adjust the action steps. <laughs> uh-huh. So who said, there's another saying. Who said, you can't solve a problem. I think it was Einstein. You can't solve a problem by doing it over and by doing the process over and over again that created the problem. Does that does that ring a bell, David? No, but I'm sure someone has said that. No, I, I think what's Einstein talking about? If you're trying to solve something, and it was a problem. Uh, well, a lot of times people say, well, well, let's do this. I said, wait a minute, that's how we made the problem in the first place. Mm -hmm. And people will do that quite a bit. In other words, no, no, wait a minute. Don't keep doing it if it causes a problem. That's what that's what Confucius is saying here, is that, no, this is not working. So if it doesn't work, stop doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do something different. Yeah, like I want to I want to stand. The goal is that I stand seven feet tall. So every morning I wake up and I stretch for an hour, two hours, three hours. After a week, I'm less than a quarter of an inch taller. I'm never going to make it to seven feet. So I don't adjust the goals. I just see action steps. I go out and I buy a pair of stilts. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm standing seven feet tall and I've achieved uh -huh. my goal. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, this one, let's move on. I mean, that one's... There's some goals that you just can't reach, though. <laughs> you know? Some goals aren't well, realistic. That's true. That's true. But I think I think what Confucius is saying here, against again, what I've experienced, is like uh, people will want, will want to achieve something. They try it, and it doesn't work. And they say, let's try it again. It doesn't work. Let's try it again. It doesn't work. And they will keep throwing good money after bad, mm -hmm. and they keep losing. Says, wait a minute, maybe you should stop trying what doesn't work. Yeah, you still want to achieve that. Try something different. You know, it's like I had a and friend. He spent like a hundred thousand dollars on his car, <laughs> and it's like, dude, you could have bought two new cars. 
like brand new cars. <laughs> but I mean, he's like, oh, well, it's just five grand. Oh, it's just 11 grand. Oh, it's just a new engine. Oh, it's just a new transmission. And before you knew it, you know, if he if his his goal should have been, I want a car that works. Well, sometimes it's don't repair your current car, buy a new one. Buy one that works. <laughs> yeah, buy one that works. Then you'll have one that works. That's, don't, don't try to fix one that doesn't work. But don't that adjust the goal. Work. The goal is you want a car that works. So, I mean, the action step is obviously pay your mechanic another ten grand to put in another engine. And it's like, no, maybe the action step should be buy a new car. <laughs> a lot cheaper, too. So I, I, there's truth. There's some wisdom in that one. I don't know if it's true in every. That's that's the thing about some of these that I hear. Or life is simple, but we make it complicated. I hear and I forget. I see and I. There's some wisdom to them, but I don't think that they're like uh, universally durable. Uh, yeah, that's a very good point, David. I think on each one of these, you can have a counterexample where it's not true. Oh, yes. But I think when you have an example when it is true, it is valuable to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Yes. It, it, it's valuable for life. It's valu valuable to live and to move forward. Yeah, just because you can find an example of where this doesn't ring true doesn't mean that in the times where it does ring true, it won't be extremely useful to remember that. There you go. Exactly. Like when your mechanic presents you with another $8,000 bill. <laughs> and you say, wow, this is the third $8,000 bill this month. Maybe I should buy a new car. No. When you have when you have an $8,000 bill after you put $50,000 into a $10,000 car. Yeah. <laughs> Don't adjust the goals. You still want a car that works. You just have to adjust the action steps. Get there by right. a different means. So now oh. there's an example where, that, where it applies, right? Yep. Okay, moving on. Confucius says, everything has beauty, but not everyone sees it. I mean, I don't want to get too crass, but like if you were like, I had diarrhea this morning. Did that have beauty? Like, I feel better afterwards. <laughs> it's true. It's kind of... Um, it's not in me, it's out of me. And man, is, do I feel good now. It'll go um, into... I mean, it's the circle of life, <laughs> right? Well, again, there's an example where that's not true, and there's an example where it is true. Yeah. I mean, also, there's something beautiful about just, uh, yeah, you got rid of it. Also, it's you broke down organic material, and it decomposed, and it'll be fertilizer for plants to grow. Those plants may be used to feed animals, you know? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of beautiful that the organic world works that way. So yeah, like you could take the most crass thing you could think of, but even that still has beauty. Well, I think I think what what Confucius uh, to me, you know, who knows what he meant by these things? Yeah, he says them from his perspective, but then I think everyone needs to take these sayings, and then modify them to their perspective. In other words, for me, what that says is that search for the beauty. And everything, because it exists somewhere. Mm -hmm. The Western you know, analog would be beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, yeah. Search for it, search for it, because it is easy. It's much easier to see the negative in things 
than seeing the positive. It's easier to tear down something than it is to to promote and build up. Mm -hmm. It's much harder. It's easier to tear down that sandcastle than it is to build a sandcastle. But the sandcastle is very beautiful. So sometimes it's harder to build things that are beautiful. It's easier to tear them down. So are, are you reading ahead? No. Is he saying that? Somewhere? That's the next one. Are you ready? Oh. Okay, I'm ready. Confucius says, It is easy to hate, and it is difficult to love. This is how the whole scheme of things works. All good things are difficult to achieve, and bad things are very easy to get. You know, you can use that a lot of ways. One is, how can I say this? Are bad people cop-outs because they're not strong enough to be good? Mm -hmm. In other words, if, if you're tough, if you're really tough, if you're strong, if you're good, okay, well, then you should be out there loving creating positive things you know I, I, if you're if you're a real man or a real woman then you should be able to love yeah i think it's interesting to me i mean love and hate but it's also i mean there's like like you know romantic love or whatever but that's also you know i make music on the internet and i'll put stuff out there and if i get words of encouragement it's often from people that are making stuff and putting it on the internet too. And if you ever get a hateful comment that is trying to tear you down and you take a look at that person's profile, one almost 100% of the time, I would say 99.9, .9, but maybe 100% of the time, the person's never put anything out there in their life. So it's like they take glee and sort of say, oh, this sucks. But they don't have the courage to do it. And that's what they're angry about. They're not angry about what you've done. They're angry about their inability to do what you've done. Like our podcast, the last podcast we had about the uh, the dancers. Mm -hmm. what, was the name of it? what was the name of it? Uh, uh, walk, Run, Cha-Cha. You look at that, and to me it was beautiful because they are do they were dancing. They weren't the best dancers in the world. Barishnikov was better. You say, oh, there's better dancers than that. That's not the point. They were beautiful because they were doing something that was theirs. In other words, I think you really should find the beauty in things because that's, uh, that's, that's the higher ground. Mm -hmm. and, and that lasts much longer than tearing things down and being negative. Yeah, I like that one. He, that one's he good. probably has... That's a really good. He probably has another saying about that too. Yeah. Shall we continue? Yeah, let's see. Let's listen to another one. Confucius says to know what you know and what you do not know. That <laughs> is true knowledge. <laughs> I I say that all the time in my in my classes. I say, look, I'm gonna it's important to know what you know. Mm hmm But it's more important to know what you don't know. Because if you don't know what you don't know, you're going to think you know it, but you don't know it. And that's going to get you in trouble. Mm -hmm. 
Is that what he's saying? Basically, yeah. Uh, there's an Onion article, can do, take charge guy, ruins everything. You know, it's like that. If you're a can do, take charge type of person, but you don't know what the hell you're doing, you're going to ruin everything. I, th I think it's just as important, sometimes more important to know what you do not know than to know what you know. Because if you know what you don't know, then you do know what you do know. Mm -hmm. And then, then you're going to only do what you know. <laughs> you're not going to do... In other words, if you do what you know, that's no problem. But if you do what you don't know, that's a problem. And if you don't know what you don't know, you're going to try to do it. Mm -hmm. So I can, I think we I think we can add to this. Yeah. I wouldn't say true knowledge. It's it's a it's a form of knowledge. Yeah. It's not. I mean, true knowledge just makes it sound better. I'm sure the Chinese translation is a little different. I'm sure all these they're a little different. That's Moving true. on. That's true, David. <laughs> Confucius says only the wisest and stupidest of men never change. Wow. So it's like a normal distribution. If you're in the middle, which you probably are, you should constantly be seeking to, to better yourself. Well, I don't know about this one. <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> I don't know about this one. Only the wisest and stupidest of men never change. But then why will they never change? Maybe because they're not that wise. They think they are. And they're not that stupid. Everyone else thinks they are. <laughs> mm -hmm. In other words, someone who's someone who's wiser than you, then they will always be wiser than you. Someone stupider than you, they'll always be stupid. Than you. Yeah, it depends on what he, I don't know what he means by that. Yeah, I just think really it's like I'm not too sure about that. Either you're enlightened or you're in the dark. And if you're enlightened, you don't want to change because you're living in enlightenment. If you're in the dark, you don't want to change because you're living in the dark. But if you, you know, know the, if you know that there's a, like life is just all gray areas, you should desire to try to figure it out. And therefore, you're constantly changing your ideas, your opinions, your behaviors to try to sort of optimize your life. Yeah, but he has the superlatives. Wisest, stupidest. Yes. So what he's saying is. 99.9% .9 of the population, which is you, which is him, which is everyone, is not wise enough not to change. He's basically saying you should seek to become better all the time. Because you're not the wisest and you're not the stupidest. You're in the middle, like everyone else in this world is in the middle. You know, there's only one wisest. Uh, there's only one stupidest. We should always seek to get better. Uh, I get it. See, I missed that. I missed that. I was too literal. I wasn't too to the implications of that. Mm -hmm. I think you're right, David. I see that. Yeah, yeah. I I believe you. I see what you're saying. That if you think you're the wisest, you don't want to do you're that. Gonna, yeah. If you think you're the stupidest, you don't want to do that. You should always change. Uh huh. Because you're neither one of those. And there's like if you're wise. There's no way of knowing if you're the wisest. So you should seek to become more wise. Yeah. And if you're stupid, yeah. there's no way of knowing you're the stupidest. So you should seek to become more wise. <laughs> I know I'm the stupidest. No, you're not. You're too stupid to know you're stupid. <laughs> yeah, you're too stupid to know you're not the stupidest. You That's should right. try to be yeah. less stupid. 
Like, I want to be wisest, stupid. If you're the wisest, then you're smart enough to know you're not the wisest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, therefore, everyone should strive to become better and to change and be better. Yes. Um, I get it. I'm gonna do I like that one. Now I like it. <laughs> I'm going to double up because we're getting near the end here. We're going to do both of these because they're very similar. Saying number one, Confucius says, better a diamond with a flaw than a pebble without. Saying number two, Confucius says, wherever you go, go with all your heart. Let's take a look at both of these. Okay. It's better to do what's hard, do you think, like in life, than to do something easy perfectly? I think it better a diamond with a flaw than a pebble without is sort of see how far you can go. Test your limits. Try to be your best self. And uh-huh. if the result of your work is imperfect, at least you tried to make a diamond, not just craft a perfect pebble. And then this is, I, this is like you're saying, wherever you go, go with all your heart. You're saying whatever you do. Do it with flair. Do it with flair. I told you boys that ever, ever since you were little, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, go for it, man. Go for it. Do it with flair. And it doesn't matter what other people think. It's yours. Mm-hmm. It's yours. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a good one. I like that. Better a diamond with a flaw because, you know, well, another like like shoot for the stars. You may miss them, but you'll hit the moon. Yeah. But you'll never never hit the moon if you never try. You'll never get there if you don't try. And you say, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to be successful. Why? Because I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to be successful doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. well, shoot for the moon. Shoot for the stars. Shoot for the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're coming. But if you do, do it with flair. And if you miss, and if you miss, you just got to grab a handful of clouds on the way down. (laughs) Look what I have and you don't. Yeah. I like Look this where one. Look right and you haven't. This one is sort of modern. I like this one. I'm I'm skipping around now, because okay. we're coming to the end. The superior man. Oh wait, hold on. Confucius says, the <laughs> superior man understands what is right. The inferior man understands what will sell. Hmm. Got to think about that one a little bit. I think like you watch the news. Is that really the news? Or do they know how to push your buttons and enrage you so you stick around and watch the advertisements? Uh, We've said quite a bit that uh, we we talked about fallacies, informal fallacies, that it's not right, but it works. Mm -hmm. That's why politicians have careers around fallacious arguments and uh, and fallacies. They have a whole career around that. I mean, if you begin analyzing and fact-checking and analyzing the logic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, around, around all the politicians that we even have right today, uh, then it's it's questionable how they got there. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good one, I think. I th- Yeah, I think that uh, it's also... You know, someone who lives in a modest home, has a family that loves them, and um, lives a life of virtue, works hard, 
uh, is a pillar in his community, might run into a guy who's lives in a high-rise apartment downtown. He's on his third wife, fourth wife. He's had four heart attacks, but he drives a Mercedes-Benz. And he says, I'm doing so much better in life than you are. And the humble man might say, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that is possible, right? Uh, decades ago, there was a survey about retired CEOs, chief executive officers of major corporations. And one question was, what's the what, what's your biggest regret in your career? And, and they said, my biggest regret is time I did not spend with my family. So were they successful? Yeah, in one one vein. Mm-hmm. But but what was the right right thing to do? Yeah. And they look back and says, you know, I really regret not doing this over here because that was the right thing to do. I think someone who just full sends the amount of money is that you have or that you make is a determination of your worth. They don't hold themselves to a very high standard. You know, I was talking to someone sometime and they and they they were telling me, well, you know, I was told that I really should do something to make money and I should always think about making more money. And I says, well, you know, well, that type of philosophy of life, you have a lifetime of failure. Mm-hmm. You'll never be successful. Because no matter how much money you've made, you could have make you could make one more dollar. Yeah. And so no matter what you do, you're a failure. So it's a lifetime of failure. And so is that the way to live? I don't think so. Yeah. I choose not. I I would say no. And some people they don't see it because I mean, some people actually take the practical steps they need to, but they still regret based upon their decision calculus. I was talking to this guy. I don't want to say names or anything, but he's like, I was in Chicago, and my life was falling apart, and everything was, I was very, very unhappy, but I had a prestigious job, and I was moving up, but everything was falling apart, and so I moved to Colorado. And I took a lower position, and I took a step back in life, and that unhappiness went away, and I found contentment, and and I've been here the last 25 years. And I'm like, wow, look, sounds like you made the right choice. And he says to me, no, because if I would have stayed in Chicago, I would have been the head. I would have been the boss. I, I would have achieved prestige the likes of which I could only imagine now. It's like, yeah, but it sounds like that prestige was killing you. And it's like you regret that you didn't get that prestige that people don't think of you as the man who rose to the top of his profession. But it sounds like that's not who you were. And you were able to understand that on like a visceral gut level and make the changes necessary to preserve yourself. But you don't understand it on an intellectual level enough to not look back in regret and say, oh, I should have stayed there. I would have been in a higher position. And it's fascinating to me that you can do both. You can do what's right for yourself and still tell the story that I really screwed up when I left. I think we can have our own sayings, David, that success has to be defined by you. 
-hmm. No one can define success for you. And be careful how you define success. Define success relative to who you are and what's valuable to you. Yes, well... And if, and if you can understand what's right, that's a superior person. Yes, because... Uh, wait, what is the, the... The superior man understands what is right. The inferior man understands what will sell. <laughs> um, but that story is also a good example of life is simple, but we insist on making it complicated. That's right. And it's like, this was killing me. My life was falling apart. I did something to fix it. But I'm going to look back and regret for the rest of my days on what I did to fix it because there was a trade-off. The grass is always greener. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, again, don't look for success and enjoyment outside yourself. Look for it inside yourself. I mean, I would say 90% of people have everything they need to be happy as long as they enjoy what they have. Mm -hmm. Learn to enjoy what they have to the point where they're, they are have a happy life. Yeah, I always think it's funny like when you talk, oh, if I won the Powerball, I would do this. And then you say something that you're perfectly capable of doing. <laughs> That's like, true. If I won the Powerball, That's... I'd eat pizza every Tuesday. It's like, you can eat pizza every Tuesday now. You don't need to have $100 million <laughs> to do that. We do that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a good litmus test to say, wait, you don't like you're sort of thinking like if I was unencumbered, I would do this. And it's like, but maybe you are on like maybe life is simple. You just insist on making it complicated. You can do a lot of the things that you want to do without a financial windfall. You can live the life you want without unlimited money. So therefore, the one dollar or two dollar it, it takes to buy that ticket to win the Powerball or the Mega Millions or the Lotto, the, that that uh, five hundred million dollars. That one or two dollars has, to me, has pretty much nothing to do with winning the money. Has everything to do with if I had this money, what would I do? I can do that today. Mm -hmm. That's the <laughs> lesson that you learn. That's the lesson. And it's, and it's like one or two dollars to bring me back to reality. Like, I'm not going to win this. But if I did, I would do this. I can do that today. You know, I would drive I would drive a car that was no, wait a minute. I have a car that actually works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and why would you want a car to drive and enjoy? And I can do that today. So I get my car and drive around and enjoy the beautiful weather here in Colorado. I used to have a, a cool car and now I have a very simple car. And it's like, well, I don't look as cool. And it's like, well, I don't see how I look when I'm driving. My simple car never breaks down. My cool car was in the shop all the time. <laughs> shall, we, shall we finish this episode with one last Confucius quote? Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so I think this sort of, I don't know, might go back on uh, some of the stuff he said earlier, but we'll take a look at it. Confucius says, By three methods we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection which is noblest. Second, by imitation, which is easiest. And third, by experience, which is bitterest. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's a good one to end on. What do you think? What are your initial impressions of that? Uh, let me pull it up here. Wow, how far down did you go? Oh, there uh, it is. I get it. Uh, uh, that... 
you know, it's like um, the um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I I, I get it, and I agree with it. Uh, is that There's another saying in the Bible that says, uh, the wise man is he who seeks counsel. Okay? And in other words, if someone says, now wait a minute, be careful, because this is something that can happen. And you stop and you think about it and you go, wait a minute, let me reflect and say, is this something I want to do? If you think about it, and if you're wise, you say, okay, I think I'm not going to do something that's going to be it's going to hurt me or be bad. Uh, or you can say, wait a minute, I thought this was good, but look what happened over there. Like when I was working, I saw a lot of things go down and go, whoa, that person did that. And look what happened to them. I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, some people don't learn by watching others fail or others do things that they that I don't want to be that person. But the worst is actually doing it and happening to you. It's the bitterest, but sometimes it's the best education because you're never going to do it again because you got hurt the most. It's true. You understand the real consequences, not just the theoretical consequences. It's sort of like... So the wise man is who can reflect and identify negative consequences. The second is can see other people doing it and, oh, I'm going to learn from them. And the third, uh, it's the bitterest... It doesn't mean it's the worst, but it's the bitterest. It'd be nice if you can avoid it. Well, I like I was saying, how does this compare to I hear and I forget? I see and I remember. I do and I understand. And it's like That's... maybe you really only truly understand if, if you learn by experience. Well, there, there are some... Well... What this saying is, is saying, which I kind of agree with, all three of those are understanding. Yes. It's not saying one is better than the other. It's saying one is noble, one is easy, and one is bitter. Well, it's like uh, maybe I do and I understand. Reflecting is doing. Imitating is doing. And experiencing is doing. It's not just experiencing that's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I do and I understand. That's true. These are three ways to do it. Reflecting, imitating, experiencing. So, to understand... And he's tacking on noble, easy, and bitter. He's tacking on some kind of a description on how you understand. Yes. He's kind of like have a taxonomy of understanding. You're not learn, just... as much, learn as much as you can by reflection. Yes. And what you don't learn by reflection... Then learn as much as you can by imitation and looking at other people and learning from other people and standing on the shoulders of giants that went before you. And beyond that, get out there and do something and see what happens. Yeah, there's one that we didn't cover because I think this will be the last one. But I think okay. that's, a, that's a good one to end on, like you said. Try to learn as much as you can from reflection. If you can't, try to imitate the people you admire. And failing that, you got to go and acquire wisdom through bitter experience. That's right. And don't and don't slack off of the experience. Don't be afraid to try something because you will fail because that failure is bitter, but it's a very good educator. And you, you learn <laughs> wisdom. You learn wisdom. It's still wisdom, whether you fail or not. Sometimes the 
the best wisdom is, is failure because you'll know what not to do. Again, sometimes it's more important to know what not to do and what you shouldn't do and what you don't know now that you know. Yeah. So, yeah, before we go, I just want to say there's a, one quote. I couldn't find it. Let me see if I can find it. But Warren Buffett quotes it almost uh, verbatim. Um, yeah, here it is. Let's do one more. If I am walking with two other men, each of them will serve as my teacher. I will pick out the good points of one and imitate them and the bad points of the other and correct them in myself. I like that one. My dad would say that. My dad would tell me that. Sequoia. Mm -hmm. Getting back sons of Sequoia. Because we are sons of Sequoia. My dad was Sequoia. Sequoia said that. He would say, you know... You're going to hear a lot of things. Learn from them. But only do the good things. Yeah. <laughs> and learn from people. You'll see a lot of things out there. Learn from the good people and don't do the bad ones. Well, you see... My, oh, dad, would, my dad would tell me that all the time. It's also like you see someone doing something good that you admire. And you say, oh, I want to imitate that behavior because that's something I don't do. And that's good. But then you see someone doing something bad. You don't say, oh, I'm going to say this is a terrible person. Or you say... What are those bad things that I see in these people do I do myself? Because I'm sure there are some. And I think that's one problem people have is just realizing that if someone's doing something that annoys you, sort of saying like, oh, man, that person's so annoying. But it's like, do I do that too? And in the places where I do that, can I correct that behavior? Yeah. I think, I think you can look at movies too. A lot of movies... Uh, you'll have uh, situation comedies where, or situation dramas uh, or movies, and they will tell stories and someone is successful, someone else is a failure. Says, Wait a minute. There are elements of this person that failed. I do that. You know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. And there are elements of the success. Oh, I do that. And so, again, uh, learn, fr learn from people. Yes. Well, I think that we've covered the canon of Eastern thought in this last hour. Now you know everything oh, you ever need to know about Confucius. I don't think so. Because I, I, there's a lot more sayings, David. Yes, there are. Wow, there's a lot of them. Well, he talked a lot, didn't he? Yeah, I think that he lived pretty late in life, 70s or something. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he never even existed. It was long ago. I think it's so long ago, kind of like Aesop, a lot of times... It's a Confucius type saying, mm -hmm. like he could have said it, he could have said it, but they, oh, well, yeah, that's that's something Confucius would say. Yes, and they would tack his name onto it, then people would listen to it, which I think is perfectly fine because that's probably something he would say. He would agree with. It. I would mm -hmm. agree with it. You know. Anyway, whether he said it or whether he didn't say it, sometimes these sayings are valuable for us to think about. Yes, I think this was a good episode just because it sort of puts your brain in a. Uh, think about what he's saying, and it's also like, oh, yeah, that sort of makes sense. And by sort of just going through the motions of trying to understand what he's saying, you can sort of pull a little nuggets of wisdom out of it. Well, you know, David, we've had two philosophers now. The first one is Yogi Berra. Mm -hmm. And now it's Confucius. We should do this again. I like this, yes. Um, choose someone we else. Have more, we have more, well, we could. We have more Yogi Berra quotes. We have more Confucius quotes. I think this is a very good thing to do because I think people that listen to this 
whether they listen to one of these, two of these, or all of them, it's valuable. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. It's something that's positive. So let's wrap this episode up. I'll play the outro music starting right now. Good. Do you have uh, anything you'd like to say? Yeah, a couple of things. One is that's a good that's good music, David. Thanks. You wrote that? I that's did. really good. I love that music. The second thing is in this podcast, keep on talking. Listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. Goodbye, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>